Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. We're going to be in the book of Titus, the book of Titus chapter 2, book of Titus chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1, very short chapter from a very short book, but awesome nonetheless. So I don't think we'll be here too long, but it's going to be great. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the way that it inspires us, the way that it enlightens us, the way that, God, you um, you use your word to sharpen us. God, I just thank you. I pray that your word would do what it's supposed to do, God, that it would lead us, guide us, correct us, and challenge us, God. I pray that it would penetrate our hearts, Lord, but I also pray, God, that we would not just be readers or hearers of your word, but that we would apply each and every uh, word, Father, each and every aspect of it to our lives. Uh, teach us to walk in your ways uh, so that we can best glorify you and honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Okay, Titus chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV translation. So I do apologize for you NIV people. We love you, but I'm going to go with ESV today. Okay. Verse one, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their, to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the young men to be self-controlled, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, uh, integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Verse 9, bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, 
to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purity for himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Amen. Amen. All right. Start with verse one. Uh, Titus is a book, a letter, is a letter that Paul wrote to a man named Titus. Uh, Titus was a person who worked alongside of Paul. Uh, Paul trusted Titus so much so that he sent Titus. Um, he left Titus in Crete to uh, establish the leaders of the church, to raise up leaders, elders, uh, people who could lead and run the church. God had done a great work in Crete. It was a, a Greek nation. Um, and, you know, they believed in Greek gods and mythology and stuff like that. And now God had brought revival to Crete. And so they needed someone there who would establish the church, who would raise up elders, who would uh, elect elders, who would train the elders. And so Paul chose Titus for that work. And the whole point of this letter is to help Titus in his work as he's establishing leadership and uh, church government in this church. And he teaches them how to pick elders. What should you look in elders? What are the qualifications of elders? But also, there was a lot of false teaching going on in that time, right? People who were trying to blend mythology and Greek mythology with the gospel of Christ. And so Paul tells them, not only do you want to raise up elders, but you also want to rebuke those false teachers. And that's why he talks a lot about having sound doctrine, because the doctrine that they were teaching in that time uh, was a doctrine that was not sound, was a doctrine that was not accurate. And they were blending teachings and religions in with the gospel of Jesus. And Paul said, no, 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 we got to keep this thing pure. The things that we teach are pure. They are different. They are counterculture. They are counter other religions. And so he teaches them, he teaches them to rebuke uh, those who are teaching false things. And that's something that we should always keep in mind, right? Like we should know what it is that what, what it means to truly be qualified or to truly be a disciple of Jesus, but also know what the truth of God is to the point that when we hear things or things are being taught in the church, we don't just easily accept it because somebody, some prophet or some teacher is teaching these doctrines. No, we go back to the word of God. We examine everything and we look at what is true and we divide the truth from what is false. Amen. But in first cha or chapter two, Paul then starts talking to them about um, what this sound doctrine looks like and doing good for the sake of the gospel, right? And so in verse two or chapter two, he says, now this is just coming out of the portion where he's talking about rebuking false teachers and condemning false teachers. He says, but as for you, now he's transitioning to you personally, to us personally, to Titus personally. He says, teach what accords with sound doctrine. We need more sound doctrine in the church. Sound doctrine just means true biblical teaching, the way that God intended it to be, right? He said, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men, I want to talk about this word, this phrase, older men, because in the Bible translates it 
older men, but the word could also be translated and also means ambassadors. So I would say that older men are uh, mature, wiser men who represent another kingdom. You and I are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And so this directly applies to us too. Older men are to be sober-minded. Another word uh, that translations use, the NIV uses the word temperate, meaning they have control of their desires, their passions, their feelings, their emotions. They are to be sober-minded people. You and I are supposed to be sober-minded people, dignified, self-controlled, sound in our faith, knowing what we believe, why we believe it, and how we carry out those beliefs. You and I are to be sound in our faith, in love, and in steadfastness. That is the qualification of not just older men, but ambassadors of God's kingdom, right? To be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. That is what it looks like to be a mature, wise ambassador, older, more mature. And here's what we have to understand about the church, right? The church has, is full of people who are in different parts of their journey. And that's why we need the pops and the Doug Overbees. That's why we need people who are more mature in the faith, uh, pastors, elders in the church, who are going to lead and guide and direct the church. But there has to be some sense of progression too, that as Pop is leading us and as Doug Overby is leading us and as, you know, Pastor Brendan is leading us and Pastor Jason and, and even other mature, more mature believers in our church who are not necessarily in a position, as we are growing in our faith, we're pulling other people alongside of, alongside of us. We're bringing other people into that journey and we're pulling other people into maturity those who are not as mature, and helping them to be more sober-minded, more dignified, more self-controlled. And that's the point that Paul is making, right? He goes from talking about older men to older women, and then how all those older men and those older women are now supposed to take the younger generation coming up behind them and pull them into this too, right? Because he says, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Verse three, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not bad talking, not gossiping, right? Uh, or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women, right? So train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, Pure, a pure working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. And this is what I believe. I believe that there should be a mentorship among the body of Christ, that the way the church continues to grow and to multiply is by carrying out that mission. See, this is why we are so intentional about our mission. We reach people who are far from Jesus. We equip those who are a part of the faith, right? Reach, equip, send out those, right? But this is the equip portion. Who am I taking under my wing, right? 
not the pastors, because listen, he's not saying let the pastors, the bishop, the elders, the missionaries, the apostles, the evangelists. He's not saying let the evangelists teach the younger generation, right? He's saying the older women should teach the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. But then he also says, uh, and the, the reason for doing this is that the word of God may not be reviled, right? In the NIV subversion, it says that, uh, that you teach the young women to do all these things so that no one will malign the word of God. In other words, as we are bringing up the younger generation, as we're bringing up and mentoring one another, as those who are more spiritually mature than, the, uh, than others, right, are bringing people up and elevating people up, we are doing this so that as people are maturing in their faith, as people are walking this thing out, as people are living the way that God has called them to live, as we're living according to the biblical standards, as we're living according to the kingdom of God, the measure that God has put before us, because listen to me, we have to look different. We have to look different. If our lives are not looking different from the world that surrounds us, something is wrong. If our marriages don't look different, if our families don't look different, if our behaviors don't look different, if we are not uh, carrying out living our lives sober-mindedly, if, we uh, if we are not walking in love, if our works are not demonstrating that we are not a part of this world, if our works do not look different, if people can look at our lives and they can say, there is nothing different about Jose or nothing different about Doug Overby, then guess what? They're not talking badly about you. What they're saying is that the word of God has had no impact on your life. And that's a scary thing. Like we want to be the kind of people where people can look at us and say, okay, there's something different about Nicole. There's something different about Miss Claudette. There's something different about Jesus. And we can take that back to the word of God. And rather than uh, talking badly about it, rather than criticizing it, rather, rather than persecuting it, people can honestly say, I want just, I want something. I want that, that different thing that they have in their lives, you know? And that's why he says in verse seven, show yourself in all respects to be a good, a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. That cannot be condemned. In other words, live in such a way that people have nothing that they can persecute you on, nothing that gives them reason to talk badly about you. Live in such a way when you show yourselves in all works to be a, or in, in all respects, in all respects, meaning in good times, bad times, when you want to pop off on people, when you don't want to pop off on people, when people frustrate you, when people annoy you, when you feel like life is hard and difficult and you just want to blow up. You ever been in that situation? Can we just be honest for a second, right? You ever been in a situation, I'll be the first to raise my hand, where it's just like, God, give me 10 
to 15 seconds. And I promise you, I will come back and I will repent. I promise you, I will come back and ask for your forgiveness. But if you just give me 10 to 15 people to uh, 15 seconds to karate chop this person in the mouth, I promise you, I, I will repent afterwards. And I'll even pray for them. I'll, I'll lay hands on them in a good way after I've laid hands on them in a bad way. You ever had the, the situation, right? Paul says, even in those respects, <laughs> Paul says, even in those respects, to be a model of good works. When you want to karate chop that person in the mouth, instead, you bless them. When you want to tell, off, to tell them off, instead, you speak blessings into their lives. When you want to just go off and go ham on somebody, instead, you say, you know what, I'm going to love you despite you. You are doing so, right? That's, that's what it means. That's what it means to show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, right? And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. When you live this way, it can't be condemned, right? Have you, you ever been in a situation where like maybe you, maybe you were the offender, right? And somebody responded to you in a way that was totally different. Rather than get angry at you, instead they showed you grace. And in that moment, you just feel like, well, I genuinely can't say anything bad about this person. <laughs> well, now, now I feel dumb, right? Like it's like, because I thought they were gonna react one way, but they didn't. Right. That's what it means to live in such a way that it can't be condemned. And it says, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Can I just say, right, that the way we are to live and carry out our lives, this is the difference between being a reactive person and a responsive person, right? We never want to be put in a position where we're constantly reacting to the way people are treating us, or reacting to the things that are surrounding us, or the, the things that are being that are trying to influence us in a negative way. If we're going to be influenced and led by anything, it's got to be by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will always lead us and guide us to live and respond differently. We want to be a people who respond differently so that we can put to shame those who will try to say stuff about us and so that people may have nothing evil to say about us according to verse eight right and then in verse nine he says bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything now some translations this is why i like the esv some translations actually uses the word slaves but the word here, bondservant, actually means one who gives himself up to the will of someone else, meaning that is not someone who has been enslaved. It's someone who has made the decision to submit themselves to the will of someone else. It's not that their will has been taken from them. They have placed themselves in the service under the will of someone else. And this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like or what it should look like to be a disciple. You and I are people who willingly should surrender and submit our will to the will of our heavenly father. And those people should do so, being that they have surrendered their will to someone else, given themselves to the will of someone else, 
are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering or looking for their own gain, to steal for their own gain. All right. That's what uh, the NIV says, not to steal from them, but to show them. All right. Okay. Uh, not argumentative, verse 10, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of our God and our Savior, right? We are to be people who are willingly submitting uh, to our masters, to those who are in authority of us, not and are well-pleasing, not argumentative, right? In other words, the whole point of chapter 2 of Titus is that we are to live for the sake of the gospel. We are to live doing good works, living a life that is good, that is pleasing, that is submissive, uh, that gives people, that doesn't give people a reason to condemn us, but also, but really puts them to shame. Verse 11, for the grace of God, this is, this is where I wanted to kind of focus in on a little bit. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in a present age. The grace of God has not shown up simply for salvation. What do I mean by that? Meaning that it's not, because I hear this all the time, there's grace, right? We talk a lot about grace and there are teachers out there who teach hyper grace where grace covers everything and we can do whatever we want because God has saved us by his grace and he's a graceful God and he's merciful. And so therefore he's not going to judge us for anything we do wrong and all that stuff. And that's just simply not true. Why? Because Paul told Titus that for the grace of God has appeared, we have received God's grace to bring salvation for all people and all people means all people. But it's also given to us to train us to renounce all ungodliness. The NIV says, it says it this way in verse 11. It says, uh, I'm in the wrong book here. Okay. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled lives. This right here debunks any argument of people who just say, man, I, I just I just couldn't say no. Man, I, I just I couldn't help myself. Man, I couldn't. I, I just had to do it. I just I, I just don't know how to, how to break the cycle. Well, the grace of God equips us and gives us the ability to choose righteousness over ungodliness. The grace of God is what helps us to make that decision to overcome our desires, our pleasures, our, our plans, to, to overcome those things in our lives that we want to choose, uh, the temptations of our lives. The grace of God is what gives us the strength to be able to say no to ungodliness. Can I tell you? you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to ungodliness. Most of us have been through freedom. If not, I encourage you, go through freedom. But the Bible says, who the son sets free is free indeed. And by his grace, 
he gives us the ability to walk this thing out. And that is the point that Paul is making. The grace of God has been given to us first and foremost for salvation, but it also gives us the ability. It trains us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled lives. You now have the spirit of God within you who gives us the grace to be able to walk this thing out, to be able to live this thing out, to be able to live a sober-minded life, to be able to live a self-controlled life, to be able to live a life that looks different from the world, that looks different from everything and everyone else. We don't have to fall into the same traps that everybody else is falling because we have the spirit of God living within us. And because we have the spirit of God living within us, we have his grace that empowers us, enables us to walk this thing out, to walk uprightly before the Lord and to have godly lives in this present age. We can no longer say we cannot do this because God has given us and equipped us with everything that we need, all of the strength, the grace, the power we need to be able to live and to walk this thing out. The question that I have to us is, are we willing to, number one, submit to this, to the will of our Father, submit to the, submit to the will of our Father, but number two, are we walking in the grace of God? Because if we're walking in the grace of God, then we should be able to live in the way that God has called us to live. If we're walking in the grace of God, we should be able to live the way that God has called us to live. He gives us the grace, not just to save us, but to say no to ungodliness, to say no to sin, to say no to temptation, to not give in to worldly passions, but to live self-controlled lives, upright and godly lives in the present age. In verse 13 he says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God, the Savior and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives us the grace to live as we wait for this blessed hope because you and I are not citizens of this world. You and I are citizens of his kingdom and one day God will return. And that is the hope that we have, that God will return for his people and will return in glory. And he will return in glory and lead us into glory. Verse 14, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. We're not zealous for the things of this world. We're zealous for good works. Amen. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And that's the end of chapter two. Amen. So the whole point is that we have the ability to walk this thing out, to look different than the world. And God is calling us and requiring of us that we do, right? To live sober-minded lives, to be, I would put it this way. We have been called to set the example. We have been called to set the example, to be the example to the world of what God's kingdom looks like. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And then I'll let you guys go. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. 
God, I, I pray that, Lord, if we have the example, if we have not lived the way has honored you, that has a way that has given people ammunition to uh, blaspheme your word. God, we ask that you would forgive us. Lord, we just pray that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would equip us to live lives that bring you glory, that bring you honor, that set the stage for your goodness, that cause people to, to want to desire to live for you, to, to, to experience your love, your mercy, your grace. God, forgive us if we've given into our own pleasures or have given into our own desires. When your grace, God, you give us the grace that enables us, that trains us to, to renounce ungodliness, God. I pray that that grace would rise up within us, that Father God, in those moments where we feel like life is out of control, or we feel like we want to pop off, God, that your spirit and your grace would lead us to do the total opposite. God, I just pray for each and every person here. I pray that they would be a light in the darkness, that as the word says, that we would be a salt to this world, God, that there would be something different, that we improve everything we encounter, that those who come around us, my God, leave in a better uh, way than they came, God, and that, Lord, that our lives would be the greatest testimony of, of your goodness, of your faithfulness, that we would be open letters to people, God, and that they would see you all over us, each and every one of us. Bless, bless their homes, bless their families. God, bless their finances. God, give them favor in their workplaces, in their schools. God, give them favor with those that they are surrounded by. And Lord, we just pray for this weekend. We pray that you would move in an awesome and mighty way. God, that we would see people saved, that we would see people delivered, that we would see people healed and set free this weekend. And God, I just pray that you would use each and every one of us that are serving to do so. And I just ask all these things in Jesus' mighty, powerful, and glorious name. Amen.